Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Greg and Jeff Henry were identical twins, living nearly identical lives. Greg and Jeff's relationship seemed like they were frickin' frack. I kind of felt like they were tethered together. For over 30 years, the Henry twins lived, worked, and played together 24-7 in a peculiar relationship. Greg expected him to act as his wife, and Jeff was very, very happy to do that. But these two brothers hid a dark secret. He had an explosive temper. He had issues with anger, and he often vented them towards his brother. It turned one twin into a predator, the other his unsuspecting prey. There's some twins that hate being twins. When the special bond between identical twins goes bad, can it push one twin over the edge? The son of a needed killer. Douglas County is less than 20 miles west of Atlanta. It's home to many thriving communities that still cling to the gentler ways of the Old South. It is a bedroom community. It votes conservative. In this community, people know people. It gives you a sense of home, a sense of belonging. But not everything about the Old South is quite so gentle. And on one cold night in December 1991, a gunshot rings out that sends a shockwave through this peaceful Atlanta suburb. Douglas County Sheriff's Office, this is Nancy. 
At around 2.31, the call came into the Douglas County Sheriff's Office dispatcher, hysterical woman on the line, saying that her son had just killed his identical brother. Calm down. You're, you're doing a great job. And you said that they're twins? The entire Douglas County Sheriff's Office is placed on immediate alert. The 911 operator radios patrol officers with the suspect's description. A white male, mid-30s, 6'2", tall and skinny. And it isn't long before the suspect is spotted outside a gas station in Austell. When the sheriffs pulled up to the station, they found him in a terrible state, traumatized. He was covered in blood, he was crying, hysterical. His breath reeked of alcohol. He told them, I shot my brother, I killed him. Why would a man shoot and kill his identical twin? The answer may lie in their past. Identical twins Jeff and Greg Henry were born on January 23, 1955, and quickly captured the imagination of their birthplace, the central Georgia town of Dublin. So much so, news of their birth jammed the local phone lines. The actual switchboard went down during the birth, and that was always like the, the story in Dublin. There hadn't been a snowstorm that had taken down the phones. It had been the twins' arrival. Mother Sue Henry, known as Ma, proudly put the boys on display for the whole town to see. She dressed them identically, and she'd parade down the main street with her twins. We are fascinated with twins. I think one of the reasons is because they're so rare, twins are interesting because they have this really unique and special bond with one another. We all have our own need for connection and intimacy with other human beings, and I think we see that connection in twins. As the boys grew, so did their uncommon bond. Even before they could talk, these twins developed their own language. They had their own words for things. It's what we would call twin talk, where actually what they're doing is just trying to learn language. They're imitating what they hear, and some of their mistakes sort of stick, and they continue to use those words. As they grew older, the Henry twins also developed a shared interest, tinkering with household electronics. The Henry twins uh, were both very good with their hands and minds. Even when they were like seven and eight, they would take things apart and they just had a knack. They had a curiosity about them. One day, Sue Henry came back and one of the twins had completely rewired the house, so everything came off one switch. Ma Henry made no distinctions between her twin boys, so they led identical lives. I think Sue Henry brought them up as one person, really. She didn't see them as individuals. They, in fact, grew up thinking of themselves as one uh, entity and not two, and really didn't have individuality. The close bond that exists between twins can actually present challenges, particularly while growing up, where the twins are not encouraged to have their own identity and separateness. But over time, the Henry twins slowly developed distinct personalities, and it seemed appearance was all they had in common. Greg was very outgoing. 
um, a lot more personable. Um, Jeff had a much more uh, timid personality. Greg was more comfortable in his own skin than Jeff was. When they were at school especially, Greg was always kind of a social hub. He always had friends, whereas Jeff was always kind of in his shadows. Jeff is really nowhere as intelligent as Greg. And during school, he could barely read or write, whereas Greg was a very good student. Greg was more of the, the talker, and uh, Jeff was kind of uh, more of the listener. The mom once told me that she would ask Jeff something, and he would look to Greg for an answer, uh, or almost like he was asking permission of Greg. Greg was the standout twin, making him very attractive to the opposite sex. Greg Henry was your basic all-American guy. Um, I remember him being outgoing, very intelligent. His dating life was fairly healthy. Greg would start having girlfriends, and Jeff would always feel left out. He, you know, he, girls weren't attracted to him. Now teenagers, the twins often didn't see eye to eye. Jeff was a dreamer. He always wanted to... He thought himself as an inventor. He wanted to change the world. Greg would ridicule him often, you know, and kind of laugh at him and mock him. And within seconds, they could come to blows. The relationship could become violent at the drop of a hat. Jeff would say something, Greg would ridicule him, and they'd be at each other's throats. I remember thinking to myself, when did the sibling rivalry start? It was kind of obvious. It was always there. Despite their frequently violent outbursts, the emotional connection between the Henry twins remained unbreakable. The twins' bond was incredible. Regardless of any rivalry, you saw incredible love. I kind of felt like they were tethered together. After graduation, the Henry brothers moved into an Atlanta apartment, their first home, together even though that they probably wanted to be independent of each other in many ways, they seemed to need each other. But over time, Greg Henry wanted more than just his twin's company. He soon asked his high school sweetheart to be his wife. Jeff was shattered. When Greg got married, Jeff was really upset. He felt that the twins were being separated and he wouldn't exist without his brother. Jeff pleaded with his brother to allow him to move in with the newly married couple. Twins, if they haven't separated and formed their own identities, they can actually become really dependent upon one another and take such comfort in that bond that they don't really want to branch out and form other relationships. Greg longed to start a new life with his bride, but couldn't bear to leave his twin brother and best friend behind. When he was married and wanted Jeff to move in with him, I'm sure that didn't sit well, but I mean, they were pretty much inseparable. I mean, where one went, the other one went, and when you referred to them, they said it was the Henry brothers, so she married the Henry brothers, but didn't know it. I often remember thinking, how would someone even wedge into that lifestyle? It would be very difficult. Much to his wife's dismay, Greg soon allowed Jeff to move into the basement. Spouses have that challenge of having to accept that there's another person in their mate's life who's very close and very intimate, perhaps in some ways even more so than they are with their, with their mate. 
and the challenge of living with the Henry twins became overwhelming for Greg's wife. I think Greg's wife faced a dilemma because she was married to Greg, but she found she was living with both of them and she really couldn't handle it. She said, I don't mind being married to Greg, but I don't want to be married to both twins. Eventually, Greg's wife punished him for adopting Jeff. She filed for divorce after four short years of marriage. Jeff was delighted. Once the bride left, Jeff moved back upstairs and the twins carried on as they always had. Reunited as a couple at last, everything appeared to be back to normal for the Henry twins. But as they grew into men, Jeff and Greg's relationship became twisted. As they got drunker and drunker, they became much more volatile. And it wouldn't be long before one twin was pushed too far. He had a 22, and he would fire it. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
On a dark night in 1991, one of the two identical Henry twins was discovered at a gas station payphone. They'd found him in a terrible state, traumatized. He was covered in blood. He told them, I shot my brother, I killed him. By Atlanta standards, identical twins Jeff and Greg Henry were a bizarre couple. Brothers in their early 30s, both single and still living together. Greg really did need Jeff, but not as much as Jeff needed him. It was a sort of a marriage of convenience, if you will. Their relationship might be described as sort of husband-wife, with Greg being more of the male figure and Jeff being more of the domestic partner. Dominant twin Greg would bark orders at Jeff, who obediently followed his commands. Greg expected him to act as his wife and do the servile duties, tidy the house, cook his meals, and be on call for him to bring his beers. Jeff was very, very happy to do that. Each twin appeared to relish his assumed role in this almost sadomasochistic relationship. Dominant was the role Greg had played his entire life, and Jeff had always played the submissive role. It just seemed to fit, and they seemed to kind of understand those roles. Outside of the home, the Henry twins were inseparable. Greg and Jeff's relationship seemed like they were frickin' frack. I mean, they were always together. Jeff and Greg worked side by side as technicians, repairing stereos and television sets at an electronics store in Douglas County, Georgia. Jeff was good, a good technician. Greg was better. There were times when he would take a unit that he was working on and he'd work on it for two days. One way or another, he would fix it. Though their work skills were identical, their demeanor wasn't. I don't know if you've ever seen that cartoon where there's the dog walking along and then there's this other little dog beside him going, hey, which way did he go, George? Where is he, huh? I kind of had that picture of Greg walking along, silent and confident, and Jeff being inside him saying, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? At night, the twins would retreat to their new Austell apartment to indulge in their mutual love of booze. It's the 80s. Times are wild and crazy. Yeah, they could drink and they could drink with the best of them. That's for sure. They wouldn't just drink a six-pack. They'd drink it by the case. And the twins loved to pile up the cases as some kind of trophy of what they drank. Their apartment was just littered with empty beer cans. Just about anybody who had ever been in that house said that the first thing they noticed was just the, the volume of empty beer cans. The heavy drinking would amplify the hostilities that had simmered between the two since they were teenagers. When Jeff and Greg were drinking, the intensity of their relationship often escalated. As they got drunker and drunker, they became much more volatile. Greg became violent and he would easily fly off the handle and he could uh, lose his temper at any moment. Dominant twin Greg would assert his power over his identical twin during their frequent drunken arguments and fights. The more that 
Greg drank, the angrier he got. Greg would mistreat his brother, Jeff. He would hit him, uh, berate him, you know, tell him how stupid he was. When Greg and Jeff would get into fights, Greg would always be on top, and Jeff would never win a fight. In addition to drinking, the twins shared a passion for firearms. Greg had a Ruger 22 rifle, and Jeff had a Mossberg shotgun. The twins both got firearms, and they were very, very proud of them. They, they lined them against the wall as a badge of honor. But guns and booze never mix well. Sometimes Greg would pull his rifle down off the wall and fire a warning shot past Jeff's head to remind him who was boss. Greg would uh, just shoot sometimes. He had a 22, and he would fire it, uh, and it would, it would just terrify Jeff. It was a scene out of the Wild West. Greg would just shoot up the room like they were in a saloon at the OK Corral. And Greg's explosive temper and drunken hostility had a profound physical effect on Jeff. He stopped eating, he lost weight, and friends would say that Jeff, he just so nervous, he bit his nails to the quick all the time. It was just a bundle of nerves. Jeff would simply cower. I'm positive that it took a toll on both of them. Sometimes, following a drunken fight with Greg, Jeff would flee to his mother's house with a packed suitcase in hand. Jeff would just turn up at his mother's house and say, look, Ma, I can't do it anymore. I can't live with Greg. He's just too, too difficult. Ma Henry could see what was going on in the dynamic of the twins' relationship from a very early age. She could see that Greg was dominant and bullied Jeff, but she was powerless to do anything to stop it. But these trial separations would never last for long. Inevitably, Jeff would return home to his brother Greg. Identical twins in particular, uh, who are very close and haven't become individualized very well throughout development, will have difficulty when they try to separate. Twins sometimes find themselves as young adults still feeling really attached to their twin. Even though Greg was dangerous and Jeff felt threatened all the time, he stayed with his brother because it was better than being alone. But the Henry boys were on a collision course with disaster, and it was only a matter of time before something terrible happened. They really never lived apart, never worked apart, never socialized apart. At that point in time, um, drinking was just an ingredient for something horrendous to happen with them. Like any other Sunday during football season, the Henry twins get up to watch the Atlanta Falcons game together. They also begin drinking heavily. They started drinking beer through the day, watched a couple of football games, watched some movies, and by the end of the day, an argument ensued. Greg was uh, just kind of picking on Jeff and uh, making fun of an idea he had for an invention. Greg just started belittling him and mocking him and telling him he didn't know what he was talking about, he was stupid, he was a moron. The twins are very drunk, and their shouting match quickly escalates to a full-blown fight. Jeff and Greg started fighting. The two of them got into some sort of a struggle. The twins then ended up on the floor, punching and scratching each other and pulling their hair. Greg usually wins these brawls, but this time, Jeff refuses to back down. 
After the fight on the floor, Greg gets up and he walks into his bedroom, closes the door. Jeff's really a pile of nerves. He doesn't know what's happening. Jeff said he had heard gunshots. He often heard gunshots because his brother would fire a 22 in the house. Jeff really thinks that this time Greg is going to kill him, like he's threatened to many times. Jeff reacts quickly. He gets up from the floor, grabs his Mossberg shotgun, and races toward Greg's room. Jeff moves to his brother's bedroom, smashes his shotgun into the door. Jeff draws his gun in front of his twin brother, Greg, and their eyes meet. Just before 2 a.m., a gunshot rings out. Minutes later, one Henry twin is dead, and the other will be on the run. I was speechless. I'm almost speechless now. It was such a shock. Which Henry brother crossed the line and shot his identical twin? Identical twins Jeff and Greg Henry were locked in a strange, sometimes abusive relationship. The more that Greg drank, the angrier he got. Greg would mistreat his brother, Jeff. He would hit him, uh, berate him, you know, tell him how stupid he was. But the Henry brothers have fought their final battle. After a shotgun blast rings out in their apartment, one Henry twin is dead and the other is on the run. He panicked and he just fled the house, ran out, jumped in his car and drove to the nearest gas station. 30 miles away in Roswell, Georgia, a telephone rings in the middle of the night. Ma Henry was fast asleep in bed when the telephone went and she picked it up and it was Jeff on the phone saying, I've killed Greg, I've killed Greg. The first thing he does is he calls his mother. He doesn't call 911, he doesn't call the ambulance, he doesn't run for immediate physical help, but he calls mom. I shot my brother. It's every mother's worst nightmare. Sue Henry knew her twin boys were troubled, but she didn't see this coming. Greg had always been the aggressor, and if anybody shot anybody else, she would have expected Greg to shoot Jeff. It sank in for a couple minutes, and she told him, as calmly as she could, stay there, I'm going to call the police. After Sue Henry calls in Jeff's location, Douglas County Sheriff's officers quickly find him standing outside a gas station in Austell. When the sheriffs pulled up to the station, they found Jeff Henry in a terrible state, traumatized. He was covered in blood, he was crying, hysterical. He told them, I shot my brother, I killed him. Jeff Henry is searched, cuffed, and placed into the back of the squad car. Still drunk and frantic, Jeff tries to describe what happened. Jeff Henry said that he had heard shots at his house and that his brother had shot uh, a 22 gun inside the house before. He said that he grabbed his gun in self-defense and shot his brother. Sheriff's officers then asked Jeff to explain why he is covered in his twin brother's blood. He tried to kind of bring him back to life. He jumped on top of his body. 
He couldn't feel his heart beating, so he tried to give him CPR for about five minutes, pleading with him not to leave, saying, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. Shortly after 3 a.m., Douglas County officers arrive at Jeff Henry's apartment, and they're shocked by what they find inside. The apartment wouldn't win the Good Housekeeping Award. They were sloppy, they drank a lot, they had cans of beer all over the place. There was signs of a struggle. Officers carefully enter an empty bedroom in the back of the apartment. On the bed, they find a Mossberg shotgun. In the adjoining bathroom, they discover a spent shell on the floor. Then they slowly enter the second bedroom. They found a deceased Greg Henry laying in his bed. At the crime scene, Douglas County officers examine the evidence to see if Jeff's story rings true. A hole in the bedroom door was consistent in size with the barrel of a shotgun. Jeff Henry entered the bedroom armed and basically kicked in the door with his shotgun and confronted his brother. Next, officers examined Greg Henry's bloody body. The penetration of the shotgun blast through his body and the wall behind him tells us that he had to be in bed when he was shot. Officers don't see how Greg could have posed a threat while sitting in bed but he still could have potentially fired a weapon. So they examined the rifle perched next to him. Greg Henry owned this Ruger 22 with a banana clip, which is a semi-automatic rifle. When you fire it, you eject the shell casing and you put a live round in the chamber of the weapon. Well, that was not present. And the second critical fact, Greg Henry simply didn't have the gun in his hands when he was killed. And when officers question neighbors about the shooting, their accounts don't match Jeff's. Neighbors who heard the disturbance and heard a shot only heard one shot, the shotgun blast that killed Greg Henry. Douglas County Sheriff's officers are certain the evidence points to one thing. Jeff Henry shot and killed his unarmed twin. Greg Henry, when he was shot in the chest by his brother, he was sitting in his bed, unarmed, at a muzzle to target distance of two feet. And at the moment of his death, he had not done anything to place Jeff Henry's life in danger. Jeff Henry is arrested and charged with felony murder setting the stage for the most sensational murder trial to ever hit Douglas County, Georgia. As they say in boxing, the styles make fights, and as a courtroom battle, this was certainly the case. When the case reaches trial, shocking new revelations about the true nature of the twins' relationship come to light. It's his fault, and the reason he's dead can be blamed on no one but himself. Could Jeff Henry actually walk away from a murder charge? For more Evil Twins, go to investigation.discovery.com. After a brutal fistfight, Jeff Henry fires a shotgun round into the chest of his identical twin, Greg. 
It was Jeff on the phone saying, I've killed Greg, I've killed Greg. For Douglas County DA Bo McLean, the case for felony murder against Jeff Henry is airtight. This confrontation didn't occur in Jeff Henry's bedroom. He had to go to his brother's room to confront him. That's cold hard fact number one. Cold hard fact number two is that he was armed. And it's another cold hard fact that Jeff Henry came within a deadly, can't miss kill distance of muzzle the target of two feet. He wasn't gonna miss. And he fired one shot that struck his brother right in the heart. With damning physical evidence pointing to his client's guilt, star defense attorney Bruce Harvey faces an uphill battle. If you play in Vegas on this case, you're betting against me. You have a killing, no question about who did it, no question about when it was done, no question about how it was done. The question was, can we show why it was done? But for Harvey, the details of Greg and Jeff's master-slave relationship as twins are about to become the backbone of a bold legal strategy. You get identical twins who couldn't pull away from the relationship it's through a marriage, through work, through, through everything. They always ended up coming back together. There was a history of bullying. It fit precisely the profile that would fit into the battered woman syndrome. For Bruce Harvey, Jeff was no different than a battered wife who had been physically and psychologically tortured by an abusive husband. Why are we limiting this to women? Why don't we say, well, it's a battered person syndrome. It doesn't have to be a woman. It could even be your very own twin. The psychology and the psychiatry behind it is exactly the same. The radical battered person syndrome defense has never been tried in Georgia for a twin-on-twin -twin killing. But defense attorney Bruce Harvey is convinced it fits the Henry twins' volatile relationship like a glove. The pattern of abuse was, uh, was well-established and well-recognized. You add the combustible fuel of alcohol, and that's a mix that is ripe for an explosion. For Jeff Henry, being the battered wife might just be his ticket to freedom. But Douglas County Prosecutor Bo McLean isn't buying a word of it. There's an old expression I'm going to use a profanity. The son of a needed killing. I knew that the defense was going to do everything they could to paint Greg Henry in the most negative light possible and Jeff Henry in a more positive light. I am the person that speaks for Greg Henry when no one else will speak for him. I am all that he has left, and I take that responsibility to heart. The defense team spends three long years filing various motions and prepping for court. All the while, Jeff Henry remains incarcerated. Jeff was languishing in jail for those years, waiting to come to trial. Greg wasn't there anymore, and here he was, finally alone in jail, having killed the one person he loved more than anything. Now almost 40 years old, Jeff Henry is a shell of his former self. 
He chews his nails and paces his cell, repeatedly reliving the terrible night of the shooting. Regardless, whether it was a drunken moment or a moment of complete frustration, he had to feel like he had done away with the biggest part of his life ever. And I thought to myself how sad it was that he was going to have to live with that forever. Jeff agonizes daily over killing his twin brother, and more importantly, his closest friend. He must have felt terribly guilty. It's easy to then forget the bad and uh, long for the good and, and forget how bad the bad parts were. We had to get in and get dirty and fight it all the way, and it was going to be a tough uphill battle. Douglas County Prosecutor Bo McLean delivers his opening statement to the jury. We believe the evidence showed Jeff Henry knocked open the bedroom door with the Mossberg shotgun, came within two feet of his brother laying in bed, and shot him to death. He shot someone that was unarmed, and that is murder. But for the defense, the physical evidence alone doesn't tell the whole story behind the shooting. Yes, we understand a brother killed a brother. Can we understand why it happened? It just wasn't a deliberate, you know I'm gonna kill that son of a I'm tired of him. The defense argues that Jeff had long shown signs of fear and paranoia. And Jeff and Greg's friends agree. I'll never forget the time where Greg and I were talking with some other guys, and I remember Jeff coming over and saying, what's up, what are you guys talking about? Am I fired? And I thought, are you fired? Why would you say something like that? He always seemed to be a little bit paranoid or on edge. During the trial, Bruce Harvey recounts to the jury how violently Greg would react when Jeff would challenge him. Greg would get his gun out. He'd shoot. He'd shoot up the house in a rage. And that's precisely what Jeff was afraid of, and he reacted to that particular night. Jeff, you could tell, was frustrated. He was embarrassed and humiliated. At some point in time, I'm sure that uh, Jeff felt like he was just going to absolutely blow up. Greg was the domineering partner in the relationship that was controlling. He was psychologically and physically abusive. He was the root cause of his own demise. It's his fault. And the reason he's dead can be blamed on no one but himself. As the trial comes to an end, Bruce Harvey decides to make a last-ditch emotional appeal to the jury by calling a powerful witness to the stand. We called the mother to place the relationship into a real context, not a lawyer's context. And that's the only way, I think, to connect with, with a jury. The risk is enormous. Can Sue Henry forgive one twin for shooting the other at point-blank range? Being confronted with the death of one child in the trial for his life of the other child, we never knew what Sue might ultimately say. It was both the risk we had to take 
and a great risk at the same time. And when she takes the witness stand, Ma Henry delivers a shocking revelation of her own. I think Ma Henry's testimony was overwhelming for the jury, and many of them were in tears. Jeff Henry shot and killed his identical twin, Greg, but he could escape punishment for the crime. Near the end of the trial, Jeff's legal team has called a high-risk witness to the stand, the twins' own mother. When we called Sue, Jeff's mother, we were very apprehensive about where she was going to go. With one son dead and the other on trial, court members hold their breath as Ma Henry takes the stand. For her to be faced with losing both of those boys, I can't imagine what was going through her mind. And when she finally speaks, she drops a bombshell. She looked at the jury and in a clearly emotional moment, told the jury that Greg was a monster. And if that doesn't turn a jury, and you see a mother, Talk about her deceased son in those kinds of terms. If you can't relate to that, then you can't relate to anything. 99 out of 100 cases, the victim's family stands with me and supports what I do every step of the way. This was that one case where they stood against me. Ma Henry always believed that Greg was a ticking time bomb. Sue Henry always thought if there was something violent going to happen, that it would be Gregory doing it to Jeff, that Greg was the one with the more explosive temper. Ma then reveals that she too had been abused by Greg. On one occasion, she said Greg had hit her after she told him off for giving her lip. The very night of the shooting, Sue Henry admitted to police that Greg had once assaulted her. That night, I was trying to reason with him. He was getting ready to leave, and I said, Greg, please, and he got up and he hit me. He never done that before. Once he got angry, he was scary, because it was just like it was uncontrollable. When it became clear she was going to be a powerfully emotional witness on behalf of Jeff. I thought, okay, we're now turning the tide. We do, in fact, have a chance. The trial ends on May 2nd, 1995, and Jeff Henry's fate is placed in the jury's hands. When deliberations begin, it's clear there won't be a quick decision about the twin killing. The jury struggled with it. The jury had uh, split several times, 6-6 six, six on one count, 9-3 on another count. It soon becomes clear that Jeff Henry has one juror lobbying on his behalf for very personal reasons. I talked to the jury foreman. They said that they had a hard time with one woman, that she just would not budge, that she had been a battered wife. We received really good information that it was 11 to 1 for a conviction on voluntary manslaughter. Deliberations continue for two days with no end in sight. 
The jury ultimately came back after a couple of days of deliberations and they were hung. Judge James realized the jury was not going to come to a unanimous decision. On May 4th, 1995, Judge Robert James declares a mistrial in the Henry Twin murder case. Ma Henry seizes the moment. The Henry family and some of the jurors from the trial had been calling the prosecutors, trying to get the prosecution to back off, to try to get some sort of an ending for this case that would get Jeff out of jail. A month after the mistrial, Jeff's supporters gather outside the Douglas County Courthouse. Sue Henry had called and gotten together a number of family, of friends, and brought them to court. She put yellow ribbons around a lot of the trees outside there. In true Southern fashion, a noisy protest turns into a lawn party. It was a festive scene there. In fact, I remember the judge later on said that he reminded him of the old days when, you know, people would come to court and it would be their entertainment. But not everyone at the courthouse supports this twin killer. June 14th, the picnic day. Never seen anything like that in my career as a prosecutor. Greg Henry's dead. And celebration just doesn't uh, seem to be the order of the day when a man's life is taken. Little did the supporters know, a deal is being struck that'll bring the Henry Twin murder case to a shocking end. The Douglas County prosecutors are finalizing a plea deal with the Henry defense team to put this very public murder case to bed. The deal that they ultimately struck was that uh, Jeff would plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter and be given a sentence of time served, which is about three and a half years. On Wednesday afternoon, June 14, 1995, Jeff Henry accepts the plea offer and is released from custody hours later. Jeff and Ma Henry walk out arm in arm to a jubilant crowd of supporters. Jeff walked out the front door with a hesitant step he was blinking because he was, you know, looking at the sunlight uh, as a free man the first time in three and a half years. The juror came running up and threw her arms around Jeff, saying, I was the one that held out for you in the, in the trial. And it was a very, very moving moment. He spoke to everyone, I remember saying, I have the best mother in the world. And uh, they kind of rode off together, you know, her arm around him. Following the trial, Jeff Henry moved into his mother's Roswell, Georgia home. He lived a quiet life with Ma until her death in 2005. Today, at the age of 57, Jeff keeps a low profile. And I'm sure he was riddled with guilt, and it, it was a horrible thing for him to have to live with. I wondered how he was going to be able to function. That's quite a load to carry, um, and I hate it for him. Uh, a moment of 
bad decision can haunt you for the rest of your life. You know, if your twin died, it would be a very painful loss. But if your twin died at your own hands, how could you live with yourself? I think that nobody ever escapes the consequences of their actions. They stay with you no matter what happens in court. Friends believe Jeff Henry remains tormented by the killing of his identical twin, Greg. I'm sure that a day does not go by that he doesn't think about his brother. I felt that by Jeff killing Greg that he, in a sense, killed himself. You know, he's not really released that he really has designed his own prison for the rest of his life. In 2005, Jeff Henry fulfilled the terms of Georgia's first offender statute and was discharged without court adjudication of guilt. As a result, Jeff was completely exonerated of any criminal purpose and is not considered to have a criminal conviction with respect to the murder of his twin brother. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.